Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. We are at the time of year when maybe you have already sung O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or this is Hymn of the Day for the fourth Sunday in Advent. So you've probably sung that. And the, that hymn is connected to the great O Antiphons, which if you look in your hymnal... Those O antiphons are listed right next to LSB 357, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And maybe you've wondered, what are these great O antiphons and why are they in our hymnal? So today we have the Reverend Dr. John Veeker, Dean of the Chapel at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, and Associate Professor of Practical Theology at the seminary in studio with us to talk about these great O antiphons and why they're kind of awesome. So thanks for joining us in studio today. Great to be here. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. It's good to have you back uh, in the building, in the studio. Uh, it's been a while. And this is, I'm, I'm excited to talk about these O antiphons. I think they're beautiful um, and learning more of the history and, and the background about them too. So what are these great O antiphons? They're one of, they've turned into one of the most favorite hymns that Christians love to sing during the season of Advent and Christmas too, of course. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But originally they were prayers that were used in the office of Vespers during the Middle Ages by monastic communities, that is, communities of monks and nuns who would pray on a regular basis several times a day. And one of the orders of service they would pray is is Vespers, which was a late afternoon, early evening service. And the canticle for that service, as it is for us today in Lutheran service book, when we look at the service of Matins, is the Magnificat, Mary's Mm -hmm. song, My soul shall magnify the Lord. And prior to singing of the canticle uh, in each of these services for Vespers, it's traditional to have a a verse from another part of Scripture that kind of frames it within the season. And we this is still in our hymnal. We have, let my prayer rise before you as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice prior to the Magnificat and Vespers. Um, In the medieval period, in these monastic communities, at least in some of them, they would sing a special prayer for each day prior to Christmas Eve, so beginning on December 17th through December 23rd. And these, these prayers, these O Antiphon prayers, each began O something or another, mm-hmm. O Wisdom, O Root of Jesse, and so forth. And um, that's, how, that's where they came from historically. In the 19th century, John Mason Neal, mm-hmm. uh, who was, they said that he could write and talk and speak in 20 different languages. So he, he was no dummy. Um, <laughs> he translated a great number of Latin and Latin and Greek hymns and a few other languages mm-hmm. into English. This is one of them um, that he translated from the Latin. Like I always said, originally the, these texts were um, prose texts. They were prayers that didn't rhyme or, or, or have a certain number of syllables per line. Um, <clears throat> around the 14th century, they were put into, into metrical Latin. And that's what John Mason Neal uh, then translated into his... Uh, into what we know today in English as O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. 
I love talking with music and liturgy experts because it's just like opens, opening a history book or an encyclopedia and just right. learning so much. Can we play the etymology game? What is what? <laughs> okay, so you explained the O. <laughs> o. Antiphons. Exactly. Um, what's an antiphon? That's my question, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I, that's, that's a good, good, really good question. An antiphon is just basically that little Bible verse that they stuck before and after you pray uh, and sing through the Magnificat. So it it's a little it's a little Bible in, in chip it from the scriptures that kind of frames the canticle that's going to follow within a particular season. We're kind of stuck with just one you know one all use canti- um, antiphon that we have in our hymnal. But I'm saying in the monastic communities they got bored and they wanted to you know have have something for every day something different mm-hmm. for every day. And um, so these are the ones that they would use in December as it was getting darker and darker, mm-hmm. coming to the darkest of the days. It is indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I was just I, talking about translations in Latin. I was curious if antiphon had like a, a particular meaning. I, I, under, I appreciate the definition. Definition Does it like translate? Yeah, you know, I don't. I need to dig up the etymology of that. You, you stumped me. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I, I would hazard it has something to do and on ante before, mm-hmm. but it, that that's usually ante. So I'm not ante usually means against. And but I'd have I'm just plowing around in ignorance here, so, and I should know the answer to that. But see, I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to just like make up answers. <laughs> you, so you are. You're the expert. See, now I'm 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 a professor at the seminary. <laughs> I can't make stuff up anymore like I used to. <laughs> so you you shared with us the the history and the place that the O antiphons had in the the monastic life. Um, what about today? How are the O antiphons a, a part of Christian life today? Well, they've still survived, you know, in their prose form, and we see them here in. At LSB 357, where we have the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and then on the left hand and then on the right hand page, we have the great O antiphons printed out, and they've been pointed um, so that you can chant them, you could sing them, or you could just speak them and pray them. You know, how congregations use these varies widely, if they even use them. I think a lot of folks are not certain how to use them or what to use them, because they they were in some of our very early Lutheran uh, prayer books in Magdeburg, for instance, in the early 17th century. Uh, there were 12, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, the number have varied widely um, from place to place. But uh, these seven have kind of survived, and how to use them. Tomorrow on Thursday, well, this is a pre-recorded, so maybe it'll be last week, but um, on Thursday at the seminary, we're going to pray all seven of them with readings in, in between. And so you can do them all in one service. That's how I did it when I was in the parish. The last midweek Advent service, we always prayed the O antiphons because it was the closest we're going to get to December 17th and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used it here at the International Center. Um, we broke it up, I think, into three days or something, three different chapel services when I was running chapel back in the early 2010s. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to use this. I think these prayers can be a part of one's personal devotion and, and da- daily devotions as you're reading through the scriptures during this time of year, picking it up on December 17th to begin to use incorporate that prayer into into your prayer time, and then the 18th and so forth as you work your way up to Christmas Eve and the celebration of our Lord's Nativity. I have more questions about 
some of the specific things in the antiphons, but maybe first we should actually should actually go through them. Uh, so if people aren't familiar, or most people are probably familiar with the hymn, uh, mm-hmm. but the antiphons are slightly different than the hymn with some of the same themes. So maybe we should go through the antiphons first, and then we can kind of unpack some of the things, uh, sure. some of the things that come up in each of them. Absolutely. Well, the first <clears throat> antiphon is O Wisdom. And the, the O means it's the vocative case in Latin, where you are calling upon somebody. O brother, where art thou? That's the, the famous movie, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so O Wisdom. And this is calling upon God as wisdom, and, and specifically on Jesus Christ as wisdom. In pre-incarnate Christ, manifesting himself in Proverbs 9 as wisdom that permeates all things, but then also St. Paul's great words um, from 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and following. Uh, who is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Um, for since in the wisdom of God the, word, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And here's, here's the gold. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Uh, Today in chapel, um, uh, David Maxwell preached a wonderful sermon where he pointed out how in the early church, the crucified Christ was a joke. It was hilarious to Romans. Uh, to the to the Roman society, um, one of the earliest depictions of Christ, and I've seen this, was in the catacombs or in or in some some but some place in Rome. It was graffiti, and it shows a cross, and then it shows a donkey on the cross, like an ass on the cross, and then it says in Greek, "Alexamenos worships his god." This was hilarious, <laughs> uh, you know, making fun of Christians. This Christian, this with his arms raised in prayer, is worshiping a dead guy, an ass on the cross. Um, This was a joke. But here, Paul is making the point, this is the wisdom of God, because this, it is through Christ's suffering and death and resurrection that he has redeemed the world and redeemed each of us. And this is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's the first one. And for those who want to follow along or look at the antif- the O antiphons, I almost forgot the O. Uh, <laughs> we're on uh, Lutheran Service Book three fifty seven, right? Absolutely, three fifty seven. So that was the the December seventeenth. There's O-antiphon. December seventeenth. Mm-hmm. December eighteenth takes us from kind of abstract wisdom uh, in the Old Testament and personified in Christ the Crucified, takes us to. Oh, Adonai, and this is a in the in the Hebrew Bible the word for for the Lord the Lord's personal name Yahweh was so holy it could not be spoken by Jews or by ancient Israelites, and so they suff- they supplemented in another word Adonai, which means Lord, and they would point the word Yahweh with four uh, four letters with the syllables for Adonai. And that's where we get the word Jehovah. It's the, it's the vowels from Adonai and the consonants from Yahweh. It's a nonsense word in Hebrew. But it signaled to the reader, don't say the word. Don't say God's personal name because you don't want to break the uh, second commandment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Adonai, 
It usually shows up in our Bible as Lord, in all caps, and ruler of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai. So you remember that wonderful scene in Exodus chapter 3 where um, Moses sees this burning bush and he goes, what's that? Goes over to check it out. It doesn't stop burning. And soon he realizes he's in the presence of the Lord, of Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who is going to lead his people out. And Moses has all kinds of excuses why it's not going to work. Right? Remember that story? He's calling Moses. And finally, he says, well, who should I say sent me to them if they ask? And he said, and the Lord says to him, tell them I am sent you to them. This is the name by which every generation shall know me, the Lord. I am the Lord. So in Yahweh in Hebrew is kind of like, he calls himself I am, and Yahweh, we call him he is. It's a beautiful thing. This is the Adonai that we're praying to uh, in, in December 18th. Come with outstretched arms and redeem us. The whole Passover thing going on. Before we go on to the 19th, mm-hmm. let's take a quick pause. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And we'll continue the conversation. We're taking a look at the great O Antiphons with the Reverend Dr. John Vicker. He's Dean of Chapel at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. More to continue the conversation here on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Bissett. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We're talking about the great O Antiphons with the Reverend Dr. John Beaker, Dean of the Chapel at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. And these great O Antiphons are in your hymnal on the uh, on the page next to Lutheran Service Book 357, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And before we went to break, we read through December 17th and December 18th. So now we're on the Antiphon for December 19th. What is this one? O Root of Jesse, O Rodix Jesse in the Latin. And, um, you know, this comes from Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, there shall shoot forth a, root, a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So that's the Old Testament a promise of Christ coming forward. All of these antiphons, by the way, are Christological. They're interpreting Old Testament prophecies Christologically. Standing as an ensign before the peoples, and that reflects uh, verse 10 of Isaiah 11. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. So we're praying to the root of Jesse, standing before the peoples, before whom all kings are mute, and whom the nations will do homage, come quickly to deliver us. The word come shows up in each of these antiphons. It's Mm -hmm. a prayer for Christ's return uh, on the last day. And then we move into December 20th, the key of David. Key of David and scepter of the house of Israel. 
Of course, this brings to mind the office of the keys, the loosing and binding key, uh, the, the promise that uh, whoever forgives, um, whenever whoever for, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven, and whoever sins you do not forgive, or who you retain, are retained. This is the promise of John chapter 20, when our Lord is speaking to his apostles. But also, it comes up in, in, the, in Revelation, this, this language of the key of David, uh, who opens heaven and um, binds people in hell. Wonderful language. Um, the key of David and scepter of the house of Israel. You open and no one can close. You close and no one can open. Come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness and the shadow of death. Now we're seeing this darkness theme come in, and that points to the next one, which is December 21st, which is the darkest day of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Happens also to be St. Thomas Day. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> you know, when I, was, when I was a teenager, I worked in California and uh, in the summers irrigating. And you, uh, I worked, I would work a 12-hour shift during the day irrigating grapes, and then I would work a 12-hour shift that night. That was always the, the shift. And then I'd go to bed the next morning and work night shifts for four or five days. It got to be really dark out there, you know, in Central California, um, and the lights got long, long, and it was always darkest. They say it's always darkest before dawn, and that is exactly right. But you knew when the day was coming because you could see Venus, the morning star, kind of begin to rise on the horizon, and then you'd start to see the day spring, a little bit of light come over over the um, and then you knew that the day was about to arrive, and I would argue as in a kind of cosmic sense that's the time in which we are living, where that sunshine is coming over the edge. Uh, we know the daylight is coming because Christ has risen from the dead. He was the morning star. He was the first fruits of of those who sleep. Um, and you see that in C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce at the very end, the sunshine's constantly shining. Uh, kind of shining over the horizon, and then at the end it comes in uh, at the second coming. So this day spring, splendor of light everlasting, come and enlighten those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. And then finally, <clears throat> almost finally, penultimately, <laughs> December 22nd, O King of Nations, the ruler they long for, the cornerstone uniting all peoples. This is the Rex Gentium, um, the stone that the builders has rejected, this is the cornerstone uniting all people, is Jesus Christ. Come and save us all whom you formed out of clay. And then finally, O Emmanuel, God with us. Ale is God, Amanu is with us. O Emmanuel, our King and our Lord, the Anointed, the Christ, uh, for all nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord our God. Now, mysteriously, this final antiphon for December 23rd ends up becoming the first stanza of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if it hadn't, we'd be singing, O Come, Thou Wisdom from on high. It's just not as good as O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. (laughs) I I don't know why John Mason Neal did it that way. There's probably a reason, and maybe it's unknown. But he has the order a little bit reversed. He puts the last one first. That was my next question. I have always wondered that. Because it bothers me <laughs> that they don't match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, and his translation, if I recall, only had five five of them. Huh. And it wasn't until the hymnal 1940, which was an Episcopalian hymnal here in this country, that they had, the committee created uh, two more stanzas so that it was full seven stanzas. Huh. 
Um, it might have been their fault. I don't know. We can blame the Episcopalians or John Mason Neal, which who was an Anglican. So somebody like that. <laughs> Anything else about the connection between the great O Antiphons and the hymn we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? Well, they are a hymnic version. So mm-hmm. this happens a lot where we have prayers that have been turned into uh, into hymns. Um, there's, there, there are a couple that are just not coming to mind quite away, quite quite immediately, but this this is the way that's done. So you take a prose text, a text that doesn't rhyme, and then you try to make it rhyme in, according to a particular meter um, with a certain number of syllables in each line and so forth. So it sounds like poetry. Again, this was done in, in Latin originally and then translated into English by John Mason Neal. So those, those are the connections. Um, the, the tune if I'm recalling correctly, really did not emerge until, was it the 16th century or something like that? Very late. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it was it was a tune that was not associated with this text. It was a, associated with a funeral text, hmm. a trope of some sort. And I believe it's John Mason Neal who unites that particular chant tone with this particular text. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy tune to match words to either. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's it's melismatic, so to speak. It's it sounds like it sounds chant like, mm-hmm. um, and I I'd have to I had never studied it. I'd have to see how much he took out, uh, how mm. many passing tones and things he did to make it kind of mm-hmm. more hymnic, sure, hymn like in a nineteenth century sense. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that these <clears throat> these would be good for daily devotions. Can you give us uh, some some ideas on, on how to engage with these over the next few days of Advent when when they're appropriate for this season? Well, I think you know everybody has their way of praying in the morning and and their devotional time if they're doing that, and and it's a, it's a really good practice and a great way to grow in the Word. I often use the Treasury of Daily Prayer. Mm-hmm which has appointed Old Testament, New Testament reading. If you want, you can meld that into um, morning matins or evening vespers if you like. But again, it usually boils down to the Word of God, reading and hearing the Word, or hearing the Word of God in some fashion, and then prayers that are based on the Word of God, that flow out of the Word of God, and bringing one's own concerns uh, in their own life, but also those that they're the list of people they may be praying for, and this can become part of that. This becomes just a piece, um, a kind of little Advent seasoning, um, <laughs> and to, a little focus on uh, on uh, the the final days before Christmas, and really what the season is about, what Advent is about, which is pointing toward Christ came in Jerusalem. Then, back then, Christ comes today to be with us in his word and sacrament, in his bodily ministry among us, and he will come again in the clouds of glory. And these really focus more on that final final aspect of Christ's coming. Amen. Handy tip, you mentioned Treasury of Daily Prayer, which is a great way to start the day. We mm-hmm. do that here on KFUO, too, with uh, mm-hmm. Orazio, a lot of the there you go. readings from, mm-hmm. from uh, Treasury of Daily Prayer. But if you if you like Treasury of Daily Prayer but don't want to carry around that giant volume with you, the Pray Now app has all the from CPH has all of those yes, it in does. it. So those readings, the, the the Old Testament, New Testament reading, and as you mentioned, you can mash it up 
mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. with uh, those prayer services as well, and it like formats it right there on the app for you, which is really it, handy. It is a very amazing app. I use that one frequently. I do. I wonder. I haven't noticed though. Does it incorporate the O antiphons? Well, we're not there it? yet. I've, I, I okay, have to move I'm the jumping. Cal- <laughs> you can move the calendar ahead to look this at This is true. <laughs> I have a Bush. feeling it doesn't, but. <laughs> can do them anyway. You've got them right here in the book. With just about a minute left to, uh, to wrap up the O antiphons, um, maybe for someone who's not familiar with the O antiphons or who comes from outside of a tradition that, that uh, uses the O antiphons, how would you describe it to someone who has no insight onto, into the O antiphons? I would start with something that they know, they're probably going to know, which is the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Where did mm-hmm. that hymn come from? Oh, it came from these prayers that Christians were praying the last seven days before Christmas Eve. And they have a focus on very biblical Old Testament prophecies that are, that are fulfilled in Christ, who fulfills all things for us. So yeah, I would I would start with something that they would know, and uh, hey, that's another way to pray these antiphons. Just sing a stanza, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," each day. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. John Veeker, Dean of Chapel at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, and Associate Professor of Practical Theology. Dr. Veeker, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, and it's been fun. <laughs> I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.